Turn with me to Second Corinthians and chapter four. As you are turning to Second Corinthians chapter four, just to make one announcement that was made, and then to make one announcement, it's to do with this coming Saturday, the Intermediate Youth Conference. Again, we appeal to you, guardians and parents, and anyone that is listening via different platforms. This coming Saturday, the 18th of December, we will be having a one-day conference. And uh, it's been phrased very nicely by the intermediate. One day, one hour, one sermon conference. And I've added, bring one friend to that conference. It begins at, at uh, 14 hours or 2 o'clock or 2 p.m. Zambian time and it will run for an hour up to 15 hours. So we're inviting all of you, those that are the, at the age of 15, up to around 23, 24, indeed even those that are below 30 uh, to attend this one day, one sermon, one hour conference. And then the African Christian University is uh, enrolling for the, in the scholars program, the A-levels and different other fields of studies. The deadline is the 20th of December, which is uh, at least there's a week. So if you know anyone who would like to do studies, either A-levels or the scholars program, or indeed any of the other courses that are being offered at SCU, please do refer them to SCU or let them visit uh, the SCU website and see what courses are being offered and then let them apply. Please pass word around. There's only one more week uh, to the deadline. 20th is the deadline for the enrollment at the African Christian University. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I commence reading from verse 7 all the way to verse 18. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in clay, in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us up with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
for this light momentary affliction, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, are for the things that are seen are transit, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This morning we concluded Joshua chapter seven and this afternoon I'm also concluding the short sem- uh, s- series of sermons which was entitled The Unfinished Truth. And the goal, as I've said before, and I said again, is that the goal has been to remind us of the truths we've come to cherish and believe by sampling various passages and some of those passages which are well known and to bring out the doctrines in those passages and to help us that the things we've believed over the years are true and are found in the scriptures but also to bring a a fresh commitment or just for our own freshness as we serve God. And the reason has been simple, that in this time of wishy-washy, man-centered kind of Christianity, and tied to that, the COVID pandemic, there was need for us to go to the scriptures and remind ourselves of the things that we believe and to tell ourselves that these things we believe are not dependent on circumstance, but they are true as God has revealed them right in the scriptures. There was need for us to once again face the unfinished truth of the scriptures. This afternoon as we conclude this short series of messages, we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be in verse 16 through to verse 18. And there we are seeing the reasons that the scriptures do give us in in the life of the Apostle Paul why Christians do not lose heart. Why Christians do not lose heart. Or Simply put, why Christians do not give up? Why we do not give up? That even in the midst of trials, in the midst of heresy, in the the midst of persecutions, why Christians do not lose heart? And our passage shows us, the Apostle Paul gives us reasons as to why he did not lose heart. The Apostle Paul explains that despite his life of affliction as an apostle of Christ Jesus, he does not lose heart. And the reason is that because of the surpassing greatness of the glory that awaits. And he says all these things cannot be compared uh, to what lies ahead. 
And the Apostle Paul gives us the secret of Christian endurance. Is that as you focus on Christ and the rewards that Christ brings, we must not lose heart. And I thought this was appropriate as we conclude this short series of messages that in view of COVID-19, which keeps on mutating, and in view of this Omicron uh, type or whatever it is, is that we too must not lose heart. We must not give up. We must continue serving God. Because serving God has glorious rewards and God is a rewarder of those that serve him. And so I would like to draw your attention to verse 16 through to verse 18 as we explore this, this theme of why Christians do not lose heart. And the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is that Christians do not lose heart because Christians experience life in the midst of death. They experience life in the midst of death. And this is what verse 16 is telling us. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. While the outer man is wasting away, while the body is aging, the Apostle Paul is saying Christians are experiencing life in the midst of death. While the body is decaying, we, as Paul says, the inner man is being renewed. Now, when the Apostle Paul is talking about this outward wasting, those who are older will appreciate what Paul is talking about. Or those of you who are a certain age, as you get to 40 and beyond, you'll have some appreciation of what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's talking about wasting away. Those of us who are younger may not necessarily appreciate what the Apostle Paul is really trying to communicate here. Paul is saying that as years move by, your body begins to tell you that there are a lot of changes that you are going through. Once upon a time, things were able to do with ease you begin to find difficulties in doing those things. But those who are younger, particularly if you are, maybe you are 18 and you've just graduated from high school or you are just about to graduate from university, there's a sense in which you, you feel like your whole life is stretched out before you. And you think that you will forever be young. And, and it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? To have so much energy and feel like you can do anything, you can conquer the world. 
But a time comes when your body begins to limit what you can actually do and take upon yourself. And Paul is saying, little by little, our bodies are wearing out. Each birthday that comes is a reminder that your body is wasting away. And no one can escape that. It's going to happen to all of us. It's just a matter of time. But Paul says, while that is a reality, there's another reality working within us. While the outside is dying, the body is dying, the body is wasting away, the inner man, the inner self, the inner spirit is being renewed by God day by day. And Paul is saying, those of us who are Christians, as you grow in grace, and each day Christ is becoming sweeter and sweeter, and each day brings great joy, and each day reminds you of the reality of your salvation. And he's saying, that is causing us in the midst of decay to experience life. And these things are happening at the same time. We are dying. We are living. We are falling apart. We are being renewed. We are heading towards death. We are experiencing new life. And that's why Paul is saying that even though he's put to death at the hands of the authority or not, he still wins. If they kill him, he wins. If they don't, he still wins. And that's why he's able to say that in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all these challenges, God's plan is to renew his spiritual life, his spirituality. He's saying the inner self is being renewed day by day. There is this sense of knowing that sooner or later I will leave this world, but I'm going home. And as I was meditating on this verse, I was reminded of a song. I think I haven't heard it in, in many years now. And it used to be sung when I was, when I was a small boy. And whose meaning only came to make sense when I became a Christian. And the song was, Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Some of you might remember that song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And really, the message was that it's not that every day seems sweeter or feels sweeter, or that each day is a bed of roses. No. 
It's that even though some days are dark or some days are desperate, but the sweetness of Jesus may be seen in his goodness to us in the midst of trials. It is when you begin to have this as a reality that whatever I'm going through, Christ is right with me. And the truth of what he has promised just becomes sweet. And as you grow in your knowledge of Christ, you want to know more of him. And as you want to know more of him, you realize that there is more you need to know of him. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And this is true of Christians. Those who are walking right with God, this is true of them. I'm sure you've encountered Christians who may be going through trials, deep waters, but the image more beautiful and stronger when they come out of those trials. Or when you've met Christians, maybe going through a sickness of some sort, and in that moment, as they gaze on the beauty of Christ, you can see their faith actually growing stronger as their body grows weaker. And you see that they're experiencing life in the midst of death. And they recognize that God's plan for their lives includes trials. And those trials, when seen from the perspective of God, it's experiencing life in the midst of death. This is why we do not lose heart. Because while we recognize that our outer man is wasting away, the Spirit of God in us is daily renewing our souls. But secondly, Christians do not lose hearts because Christians see glory at the end of suffering. They see glory at the end of suffering. Verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond or comparison. At the end of our journey on earth, there is a crown, an everlasting crown. And when we focus on that, we see this glory at the end of our life on earth. It's like you see 
that you're going to have the time of your life when the time of your life on earth is over. That's when you're going to have the time of your life, this glory that awaits at the end of your journey. When Christians are going through great suffering, it rarely seems light or brief, as Apostle puts it. Rather, it seems that the troubles, the trials, are not ending. They're like they keep on going in a circle. Just when you thought they're coming to an end, then they pick up. And you feel that you're being crushed. But we're being reminded in the scriptures there that we can be confident that at the end of our journey on earth, glory awaits. And Christians see something that the world do not see. They see beyond life and they look to the life to come and as they look to the life to come they view everything they are going through in the lenses of what lies beyond the grave therefore we do not lose heart as Apostle Paul tells us there and we, we, we understand that no matter what we endure now, there awaits for us an eternal glory. A glory that far outweighs what happens to us in this life. It far outweighs whatever gains we may have in this life. So, we live by faith and we serve God by faith in the midst of all these trials and we look beyond the grave. And the picture that the Apostle Paul is giving us there is that when a Christian dies, he dies into glory. Picture that. Dying into glory. And this indeed was the secret for Paul to endure what he was going through. Because he knew that whatever he's going through is part of God's plan. And as he saves God, he must not lose sight, not lose focus of that glory at the end of the journey. And so, during the worst trials of life, we may feel as if all is lost. Get to the scriptures and remind yourself of these things. As we journey through earth, we see what life throws at us. Worse things happen 
We see betrayals, breakup of marriages, long years of, of sickness, chronic pain, sadness of seeing our children going through their own phase of heartbreaks, trials. And in the midst of all this that life throws at us, we have the COVID pandemic. And it seems as if we are losing the fight. But brethren, your trials, grievous though they might seem to you or they may be, they cannot abolish whatever is true about God and His Word. Truth is truth, regardless of how you feel or what you are going through. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord, whether you believe it or not. Truth does not depend upon personal belief or personal experience or personal feelings. It depends on what God has said it to be. Just as one plus one is two, wherever you go, whether you like mathematics or not. Because it is true. And the same principle applies to spiritual things. Let's use our minds, for, our minds for a moment here. Let's take all the sufferings of life, all the pain, all the heartbreaks, the heartaches, all the rejections, all these perplexities of life, all the sicknesses, all the broken dreams, Add them together and give them whatever fanciful sum you want to give them. Whatever figure you want to give them. And then that figure, add all the sadness of the funerals you've attended. And the effect of those funerals upon you, upon life on earth. Add whatever number you want to add, then total those numbers and put it on one side. And then on another side, add the word of God, the promises of God, the love of God, the power of God, the plan of God, the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the grace of God. Add all this and give it whatever number you want. And then add to that number the death of the Son of God with its infinite transforming power upon a believer. And then add to that the resurrection of the Son of God And add to that 
the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in all those who believe as a down payment on all the promises of God, as a guarantee that our salvation is genuine and God will bring it to completion. And once you've added those two, work out the mathematics in your own mind, in your own heart, which one outweighs the other more? Your sorrows has vast and troubling as they may be, the immeasurable promises of God far outweighs all that life can throw at us. God has guaranteed by his Son and has given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit to guarantee that the transaction that has begun will be brought to completion. And this is why we do not lose heart. This is why we do not give up. Because we see this glory that is awaiting us at the end of our journey on earth. And this is why Paul was able to throw himself in the work of God. He had his theology right and he focused on what God was going to give him at the end of his journey on earth. And this must be true of us. If truly we believe that one day we will be in heaven, we must give ourselves to the work of God, knowing that whatever we go through are part of God's plan for our lives. And glory outweighs for us at the end of our journey. And we will not lose heart. Because Christians... See the glory that awaits at the end of their journey on earth. And thirdly, we do not lose heart because Christians focuses on the eternal reality. We focus on the eternal reality. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transit, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The eye of a Christian is fixed on the eternal reality. We focus on what lies beyond the grave. Normally as human beings, we, we tend to see what we want to see. 
depending on what we are focusing on or what our desires are. And it is true that as you drive or as you walk in the streets, two can be in a vehicle, can be walking, and you'll be able to see different things depending on what you are looking at or focusing on. And that's true when it comes to the, th the things of God, the spiritual realm. We focus on what we want to focus on. And here Paul is telling us that Christians focus on eternal reality. And he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transit, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And the word that the Apostle Paul uses, the word see or look, it's a word that means to gaze intently upon. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, as we look, we, we are gazing intently upon. Similar to the, what we find in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples were gazing in, in the sky, in the clouds, and then the angels appear and say, Men of Galilee, why are you looking into the sky? There's, the, the idea there is that there was this intent, gazing, fixing, and not wanting anything to distract you. And as the disciples were seeing Christ rising and going up, ascending, they were fixing their eyes. I'm sure some, even something could have passed by, but they would not have focused on it because they were gazing intently upon what was happening. Their Savior ascending into heaven. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. That as we save God, yes, trials are being thrown at us, but we are intently gazing upon the eternal reality. The eternal reality. And in Paul's mind, he's basically saying this gazing is a conscious choice that we've made. It's a conscious choice to focus on the eternal reality. And as we focus on the eternal reality, we are saying these things are true and we believe them. Though for now we cannot see them the way they are, but they are there. And we believe them. He said, therefore we will not focus on that which is passing, but we will focus on that which is eternal. Hence to Paul, death 
was part of those things that were transit. In this world, death reigns because sin reigns. But life in Christ has defeated death. Christ has conquered death. The resurrected Son of God has conquered death. And by faith, we can see that victorious life in Christ, which is a reality. And therefore, as we save God, we must make that conscious choice to fix on eternal realities. And we must acknowledge that the only reason why we are able to see the things that are unseen by faith is because of the grace of God that has been given to us. And by grace, we can see these things. We can see this eternal reality because our blindness has been restored. We've been given sight, spiritual sight, and we can see the eternal reality. The hymn writer says, I once was lost. Rather, I was once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, now I see. And if truly we can say that by God's grace, Our eyes have been opened to the spiritual reality, to the eternal reality. Then we must be individuals or Christians that labor day and night so that we may be means through whom the grace of God will be communicated to others so that they too can see the, 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 the eternal realities that we've come to see by the grace of God. We must be individuals that shine with the grace of God and letting the world see that the reason why we do not lose heart is because of the grace of God that helps us to focus on eternal realities and therefore giving us the energies to save him in the world dotted with trials and temptations. This is why we sing. This is why we preach. This is why we pray. We do not deny the tears or pretend the pain isn't real. But we sing because we can see in the distance the great city of God. It is real. We know it. We feel it. We can see it by faith. And it's just a matter of time. We will be there. We see a light shining in the darkness. That even though darkness has surrounded us, there is life in us. And there is light shining in the midst of darkness. And brethren, this is biblical Christianity. 
that our joy, our service to God is not dependent on the state of our circumstances, but the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word, word boils within us and making us to save God proclaim the glories of us of our salvation in Christ Jesus and letting the world that is investing their time their emotions in things that are transient and forgetting the eternal realities the covid-19 pandemic has shaken the faith of many Christians. But it has also made or taught many Christians to say, now we know what Emmanuel really means. God has been with us. We, do not, we are not naive to the pandemic. But we recognize the presence of God, God's sustaining grace, God's protecting grace, that even when those of our loved ones have been taken away from us, we've known the presence of God's comforting grace and not for a moment have we thought of giving up. Because we realize that even the COVID pandemic is part of God's plan to sanctify us and to cause us to be more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, what COVID has done is that it's brought about this difference of head knowledge and heart knowledge. It has tested our, our views of God's sovereignty. Whether we truly understand and mean when we say God is sovereign. And you've now realized that you never know what you really believe until a crisis comes. Then you know whether when you truly say God is in control, you, tr you truly meant that. Or was it simply head knowledge or was it heart knowledge? And my prayer is that may this COVID pandemic and the trials of life be used by God to start a spiritual revival to cause all of us to take our faith from our head to our heart, from our lips to our knees.
and that as we plead with God that God may cause us through this pandemic to be a people, a Christian that will not lose heart no matter how hard things might get, no matter how severe the pandemic might be, that as we plead with God to stay the hand upon this COVID and cause it not to spread any further, but will also be a people that will show the world that is dying in sin, that our faith is real. All these things we talk about are real. We mean them. We trust them. We believe them. And we know that everything in this world happened not by chance, but because God who is sovereign has planned every detail. And it has pleased God to allow this pandemic to sweep across the world for our own sanctification to the praise of his glorious name. We do not lose that, not because we've been spared from the pandemic, but because the God we serve is true, is living. And the proof of it is our salvation that is ours in Christ and the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a deposit of our salvation and as a guarantee that God will bring us home. And as this year come to an end, all oh, that once again we may join our hearts, join our efforts as members of Kawata Baptist Church to spread the good news that Jesus saves. Let's go and join efforts in, in those Bible clubs, in those Christmas evangelistic uh, meetings, in whatever meetings during this. Let's once again flood the streets of Lusaka with the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's use this opportunity once again to speak to our neighbors, our workmates, our schoolmates. Let them see that our faith is real. And let them hear once again from our lips that glorious hymn it is well with my soul. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, or when sorrows, like sea, billows roll, whatever my lot in life, God, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. 
But if it is not well with your soul, you do not understand any of the things we are talking about. And it's just a matter of time. You'll be swallowed up by the trials of life and your own sinfulness. Come to Christ today. And let this assurance be yours. Amen.